Beyond the Ball, fueling your faith and family through sport. Welcome to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. Hey, Hoopheads, we appreciate you listening to this episode of Beyond the Ball. Be sure to check out our other coaching-focused podcasts, including the CoachMaze.com podcast, Thrive with Trevor Huffman, Players Court, and Bleachers and Boards. We're also building our stable of NBA pods on the Hoopheads podcast network, including Cavalier Central, Grizz and Grind, Knuck If You Buck, 305 Culture, Blazing the Path, Hashtag Lakers, Motor City Hoops, and X's and O's NBA Breakdown. Oh, and don't forget to check out our flagship, the Hoopheads podcast, hosted by me, Mike Cleansing, and my co-host, Jason Sunkel, featuring the best minds in the game, from grassroots to the NBA. All right, guys, welcome back to Beyond the Ball with Coach Eric Klump. I'm Coach Justin Gerson. Coach Klump, we are back, hopefully to get a episode recorded this time we've been struggling a little bit grinding our grinding our gears how you doing tonight great that's all right we just got to be a little bit resilient you know we're sitting here waiting for uh the governor to make the call on basketball and we're hopefully going to be getting into that pretty soon so the juice is flowing and uh, it's getting hopefully that's going to be the you know most exciting part of our year what do you think yeah absolutely we were talking a little bit off air about that and i know some of our local coaches that listen to us are really excited as well just to just to get guys in the gym i'm ready to just start yeah. working in the gym you know we've all been connecting on different levels you know maybe via zoom or texting or with our guys but to actually be in the gym and hear the ball bouncing i can't wait i'm super excited mm-hmm. uh even more so maybe tonight to talk to sam allen um a guest that we're going to have on with us in a couple minutes who uh has definitely given us a lot of insights and really kind of yeah, we, you know, we were we had the ability the to, to catch Sam in action. We had the ability to to catch Sam in action as a PGC director, and um, you know, uh, him and as a lot of the guests that we've been on here, we've been very fortunate to get a lot of those coaching nuggets. Um, and speaking of coaching nuggets, we have all these guys coming on the pod giving us theirs, but I don't think we've gotten anything from you. How yeah. about something that you've been carrying around that you know you wish you would have known? when you were younger. Yeah, you know what? This is such a great idea. We you're right. We've we're we're keep receiving all these things, but you and I collectively have been doing this for a minute. So I would I definitely have some a lot of stuff that I write down and journal about that if I was well, a young coach, out. what do you got? Come starting, on. Out. All right. All right. Give I'll give something. you I'll give you one. So there's been a lot and some have actually have come really recently um, if you read books a lot, um, James Clear uh, is actually an author that I just got through his book this summer. I'm actually starting to reread it or re-listen to it on Audible. And um, he just sent out an email yesterday. His, he's got a, a great newsletter. And his quote that um, I think I feel like I've always kind of believed this, um, but I've never really implemented it is real simple. It says you can borrow knowledge but not action and real simple quote, right? You can Mm -hmm. borrow knowledge, but not action. And for me, that is really speaks to um, this COVID time period. And like we were just talking about coming back into the gym, you know, everybody's seen these zoom calls and these virtual coaches clinics, and we have all this knowledge. Um, But what does that matter if we're not actually implementing some of it and 
being fearless in our approach and actually going out and, you know, making it happen. And so one thing that I would share to any young athlete or young coach or aspiring coach is you can borrow as much knowledge as you want, but if you don't do anything with it, um, if you don't put it to use and actually jump in the arena, uh, as Theodore Roosevelt once said, then you don't, you don't know what can actually happen, you know? So borrow, you can borrow knowledge, but not action. It would be my coaching nugget. What about you? Anything that creeps into your mind? That's mm, it's a great one question, coach. Ones? Yeah. Um, something that I, I really wish I would have put into context a little bit earlier in my coaching career because I, you know, as a coach in practice, you're somewhat worried about like the aesthetics of what the, how the practice is looking. And, um, you know, I just started to adopt the philosophy of you may have to let things get a bit messy so it can clean it, clean itself up. And where I'm going with that is, is like, especially with something like, um, defensive transition. Oh yeah. You know, sometimes we say, okay, player A, you get here, player B, you get here, and then we shoot the ball up, and then we talk, and, and your defensive transition looks great. But, you know, in the game, it's going to get a lot more messier than that. And so I think we, we've gotten a little bit more successful in handling defensive transition when, uh, you know, we just incorporate like a little block, a block out after the flow of a drill and then let it get a little bit messy and see if they can't figure it all out so that they like make them communicate and, and have that be in, in itself the way that the boys clean it up in our situation. You know what? That's such a great nugget. And I'm just going to maybe jump on and elaborate and give my two cents on that. I just think that um, that is an important thing that a lot of coaches maybe overlook. I've been on different staffs and been in different gyms where um, every action or every play is scripted, right? And mm -hmm. while that's not necessarily a bad thing, you know, we have core defensive principles that we go over, for example, that we are like looking to do, but it's more of our framework because in a game, everybody runs a different action or runs a different set. And so it would be kind of insane to think that you would be able to tell your athletes what every possession in basketball is going to be like um, because mm. it's so free flowing and players are just making decisions. Yeah, and there's making no plays. absolutes. Yeah, there's no absolutes about like if this guy does this and then that's going to happen. And so I think that's the hardest part, right? Because usually you have coaches that mindset is you're trying to coach and there's a little bit of control. in Yeah, there, there's a lot of control, right? You want to control every aspect of that. And um, there's, that's not always the situation. And I would even take it a step further, you know, being a father of four, um, I'm having these conversations with my teenagers now and well, soon to be teenagers, definitely one, um, just about trying to control, um, their actions. Cause as a parent, when the kids are younger, you get the opportunity to, you know, really control what environment they're in. You can control some certain outcomes, what time they go to bed, what time they eat. And as they get a little bit older, you lose some of that control. Uh, and for me, that's, it's kind of all coming to fruition. I'm so glad you brought that up. So you're hoping that it cleans itself up a yeah, little bit when well, it gets messy. It, and I all think right. It, yeah. But I think it's like coaching, right? You, you drill in the core values of mm. your team and your main rotations and hope that your core values are tested in truth, 
you know, and have good underlying principle to them so that when the kids get out there and are making decisions on the court, they they rely and revert back to their most common habits, yeah. which is something that most deeply our ingrained say, habits. Yeah, which is something our guests. That's a great connection, Alan coach. Say, Thanks right? for sharing that. That's yeah. really good. I just think that that's huge, and I think when you're parenting, it's the same way. Like my daughter said tonight, we were talking just silly stuff, you know, school, friends, uh, boys. She's at that age where that conversation is very uncomfortable. And I just said, listen, I'm I'm going to be as transparent, right? Transparent. I'm your parent as I possibly can be with you because I just want to make sure that she knows what she stands for um, because she's going to make decisions that I don't like, right? If If I had control, I mean, she'd be a doctor. She would play hoops. Um, you know, and she would always have her bedroom clean, but that's, that's not always going to happen. So, you know, you just kind of got to let it ride. So I, I think that's such a great nugget to share. So I appreciate you sharing that. Anytime. So what, uh, that's, let's transition then. So what's our verse tonight? Cause okay. that's where I draw a lot of my principles from. All is, right. Is that yes, book, me too, know? sir. Me too, for sure. Um, well, we're, we're going to get into Hebrews 12, one and two, um, where it says, let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And when reading that first, it reminded me of one of my favorite songs by um, for King and Country called yeah. Fix My Eyes. Okay. But also it, it got me into the mode of like, okay, things aren't going to go our way. We got to get up. We got to get over it. And we got to try again. Be as resilient as we possibly can. Do not give up because there's a ama- there's an amazing plan for everyone and, and and he knows it. I mean, how many guys have we talked to on this pod? How many coaches that uh, there was a time in their journey where they were second guessing themselves right. and because they had faith, because they had hope and you know they they knew that God had this tremendous plan, you know, things ended up working out exactly how they wanted it to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think using that verse and correlating it to how we kind of do it in my house, we we always talk about the word approach, having the right approach and being generally appreciative of what you do have, right? Instead of gratitude for sure. You don't have, you know, having the approach of you're in the spot you're supposed to be for a reason. You know, what's the next best decision we can make here? Um, and not necessarily not being upset, right? If things don't work out for you, you're allowed to be frustrated. You're allowed to be upset, but maybe ultimately making sure that you're, you're approaching that frustration in the right way and maybe channeling it in the right way. So, um, such good words of wisdom. Uh, I love it. I love it. All right. So let's get Sam up and running here. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. We're going to break for like a minute and then we'll be back with coach Sam Allen. Hey, hoopheads, we all hate ankle sprains, and they happen way too often. Ankle injuries are the number one sports-related injury. Arise is trying to change that. With the iFast, your athletes get preventative protection and full mobility. Athletes no longer need to wear bulky braces that limit performance and give mediocre protection. Anyone playing sports should be using these products. Keep your athletes in the game. Don't wait for them to get hurt to take action. Visit www.arise.com, spelled A R 
H-O-O-P-H-E-A-D-S-E. And use the code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off the future of performance. That's A-R-Y-S-E dot com with promo code HOOPHEADS to get 20% off. All right, guys, we are back from the break with Coach Sam Allen. Coach Sam, how are you doing tonight? Doing phenomenal. How about you guys? Oh, we are doing great. We're super excited to have you on, that's for sure. Yeah, Coach, thanks for coming on. Um, I know Justin and I had the uh, wonderful opportunity to see you direct uh, a PGC at in Bowling Green. And one of the first things that you you do with the group, which is super impressive, is tell them that we that you guys don't really have rules but standards at PGC. You want to just elaborate on that for our listeners? Yeah, you know, PGC, and it's kind of a Dick DiVenzio who founded PGC 25 years ago or 25-plus years ago now. Um, this idea that, you know, young people, and, and let's, hold on, let's set the stage for a moment. So most of the athletes we're working with are high school and college and, you know, we all have freedom of choice. Um, and every, every choice we make, you know, determines the direction we're headed. Right. And so at PGC, we're not going to inflict a bunch of rules on kids we we have some we, we tell parents at the very beginning we have three rules you know one is um you know in dorms no girls on guys floor and no guys on girls floor um and then we you know you have to you can't leave the campus at any time and um i see i even forgot the third rule here because it's it's been so long since with covid going on but um yeah, so we, and I think any good program, I don't know what you guys think, but I think any good program has a lot of, they have standards. It's less about rules. And it's funny, um, two days ago, my, my kids got home from school. And so if I'm not in a meeting or on a phone call, I'll go upstairs and, and see how their day was. And these are my boys. They're 10, they're, uh, excuse me, they're 11 and nine years old, just turned 11 and nine. So fifth and fourth grade. And I said, hey, guys, let's talk about something. And I said, here's the goal. The goal is that by the time you're a senior in high school, you have no rules in our house. You can do what you, you have no rules. And I just left it there. Well, what do you think they did? They, they looked at me kind of funny <laughs> and they said, What's what? The yeah, they're like, what? What's? They didn't. They just didn't. It didn't. It didn't like. It didn't make any sense to them. Yeah. I said, yeah. So, it's exactly what it sounds like, guys. By the time you're a senior in high school, if me and mommy have done a good job parenting you, then you shouldn't have any rules. If you want to come home at 4 a.m. in the morning, you come home at 4 a.m. If you want to come home at 10 p.m., then come home at 10. If you want to do your homework, do your homework. If you don't, don't. If you want to treat people well, then treat them well. If you don't, don't. If you want to um, be be nice to people, be, be not, like the whole idea is if, if I raise my own sons, if I lead a PGC session, if I coach a team and we have a bunch of rules and I, and I dictate the behavior of those that I'm leading by rules and I'm just, all I'm doing is policing behavior. Mm-hmm. I'm not really reaching their heart. I'm not really reaching their mind. And they're just becoming a robot who follows the commander. And I don't want to be that type of parent. I don't want to be that type of coach. I don't want to be that type of leader. 
That doesn't mean now on the flip side, and then I'll get off my monologue here. Um, <laughs> You're fine. The that doesn't mean we just oh go do what you want. No, we have to parent, we have to lead, we have to coach, we have to have accountability. If my right. son, when my son's a senior in high school, it's not like he's just going to be getting in the car and going play and doing like we're going to have a lot of conversations. But if I've done my a good job. He'll be prepared so that when he goes to college and it's the first time he's had freedom, he's not going crazy and partying and doing things that he, you know, that wouldn't be good right. for him. And you guys as coaches know that you're, or, well, I shouldn't say, you know, this is my belief that we should become less important as the season goes on. But we shouldn't have to tell our guys we're coaching, our girls we're coaching, hey, look somebody in the eye when you, hey, pull your pants up when we walk into the uh, restaurant. Hey, uh, make sure you sprint. Um, back in transition, if we have to do that, like we're just not going to be a very good team. So I said a lot there. Let me just cap it off by saying rules, rules lead the behaviors, rather standards set a tone for people to reach for. So I'd leave it at that. Coach, I think, uh, and this is, I'm speechless a little bit because this is exactly why Coach Klump and I wanted you on tonight because I I believe the same thing. And this is maybe some of the things that I've taken away from PGC even, you know, 10, 12 years into my career when I started coming to PGC. I used to have a ton of rules as a teacher. Um, And by a ton, I mean, you know, the sizable list that most teachers probably give. And I have completely flipped my thinking on that to I have three basic standards, you know, be on time, be respectful and be prepared. And those are pretty generic, right? On time could be like when the bell rings on time could be 10 minutes late. If you're coming from the principal's office on time is a very open ended thing. And I've had like zero referrals in the last five, six years just because kids understand and figure out real quick where they can have their freedom and where they need to dial it back as long, like you said, as you coach them through it, um, whether they're a student or a parent or an athlete. So I, I just love that. I love that. Um, well, I would, I would say too, you know, and we, we go to church down here at Andy Stanley, who a lot of people know in the, and maybe a faith world or in their, if, if, you know, people that are Christians would know Andy Stanley name and, just a great leader, but you know, he also says rules without relationships lead to rebellion. And, mm-hmm. you know, so we, my wife and I, we listen to a lot of what Andy preaches on, you know, how to raise kids and, um, you know, the role faith plays in that. And they, and I, and I wish I should know this cause I just, he just did a sermon on this a few weeks ago, but he didn't have a lot of rules in his house. One of his rules was, you know, honor your mother. He didn't even say respect. I think he used the word honor, honor your mother. Um, and you know, they, like he does a thing where none of the kids sit down at the dinner table until mom or Andy's wife sits down. So she's preparing the meal, all the food's sitting there waiting. It smells good. And all the kids, and then when their friends come over and everybody and their friends sits down and they see everybody else stand, they're like, Oh, they don't even say anything. Then they start, they just get out of their chair and stand up. But yeah. I don't know. I'm always thinking about how do I, because I've got a lot to learn and I've got a lot more things I've got to improve as a father and a coach and, and a leader. And um, But I'm always looking for ways that we can, you know, parent that way. So it's a journey for sure. 
Sam, did you always believe that and know in your heart that that this game of basketball was your calling? Ooh, good question. Um, my calling. Hmm. We're gonna go deep for a second. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> so, all right. Here's what I. Here's, I guess how I would answer that. Um, it might be a bit long winded to give it to to honor the question. You know, I love basketball. I, I remember the first basketball game I played in at the YMCA in, in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Mm-hmm. And um, I was nine years old. And I just, I, I love that feeling. I, I love playing sports growing up. That was my thing. I just, I love sport. But basketball really, that basketball was a sport. I was out in the driveway. I was at the YMCA. I was in, you know, I could just go out there and, and have an imagination and, you know, do it for hours and it wasn't work. And I loved it. Like a lot of kids say grind. I, you know, yeah, I, I guess I grinded, but it was a passion. I didn't, right. I loved it. So yeah, it's just love. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't look at it as a grind. I, I took pride in like knowing I was out working people around me as a player. So I think your question probably alludes to like coaching basketball and the way that I would, here's how I would answer that. Like, when I was a senior in college, I played college ball, small college ball, and my coach I played for asked me during the season around January, halfway through, if I wanted to be his assistant coach next year. And, you know, I was focused on the season, so there wasn't pressure. But then after the season, I was sitting on it. I was a history major. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't have a lot of direction. And my coach finally calls me in the office. He's like, hey, look, I got to have an answer. And I said, okay, I'll do it. And, and it was really just because I love basketball and I love competing. I didn't know what I wanted to do. That's the reality of how I got yeah. into it. But once I got into it, it, I quickly realized how, how much I loved it and then how much of an impact you could have on, on people and right. using the game. And that's only intensified and grown and as I've aged and as I've started my own family and become a father, like uh, it's, it's intensified. And I was recently doing a devotional, a 14, 14 day devotional with about three other coaches. And we were doing, it was on like, what's your calling? And I've always been challenged. Well, I'll just say in recent years, I've wondered, am I fulfilling God's calling? Yeah. For my life, I've never heard an audible. God's never like I've never been walking up the stairs or woken up in my sleep and I heard God's voice say, "Sam, you are doing the right thing." By coach, <laughs> yeah. like I wish I I know people who've heard an audible voice and I desire that, but it's never happened in my life. Um, and so I was doing this devotional and I find I had this epiphany. We we're like day twelve in, and the the author of the devo was like. I've always looked at calling as a professional calling. Like that's my ambition. I'm ambitious in, in what I do. Right. And Eric, to your question, um, he said something like your calling is to live out God's will is to grow, mm-hmm. like grow to be like Jesus. And it hit me like, Sam, you're putting all this pressure on yourself to find out if you're living out God's calling rather than just pursuing him, which I think I do, but I don't, it was a mindset, a par- paradigm shift where, yeah, my calling is to become like Jesus, is to to honor God, to follow God, to get in the word every day, to pray, to have a conversation. And I think I'm living out his calling. I love basketball. I love, I love impacting people. 
And those two go hand in hand and there's a sweet spot in there. And so I wake up every day excited, but I also, uh, my wife doesn't like when I say that, I say sometimes should we just sell our house and move and become missionaries? Um, yeah. I don't know the answer. I'm still figuring it out. So when yeah. y'all, if y'all have ideas for me, let me know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, sounds, sounds like we're like all on the same, same boat. boat. Yeah. I think, I think that for, for me, when you say that for your calling, I, I've expressed the same thing to my wife. Like, I feel like basketball is obviously the passion of mine. My kids all know it when they do the like kid projects in elementary school about what do you know about your dad? Um, the, the, the answer is he loves basketball, right? So I think that I don't like talk about it, but I express that through my actions. Um, but I also try, like you said about the rules and the standards, like, the standard is to follow Jesus and live a, a life in pursuit of that standard of treating people with respect and showing some grace and showing humility, but at the same time being passionate about whatever you're, you're doing. And uh, I just love the, the words that you're given there. It's great. So what if I can dovetail onto that then, so what has that kind of journey been like in terms of the basketball realm, your coach asked you to stay on, you know, and now you're involved in several platforms, helping coaches, helping athletes. What, what did that ultimately look like for you? Where did you go after you helped out with your college team? Yeah. So after I graduated, I, I started coaching at my alma mater. And while I was doing that, I was getting my master's degree and, um, you know, I was just pursuing college coaching and, um, around after my fourth year coaching college, my wife and I, we had, we, we got married and then I took a job, another job and, and, uh, moved from Georgia to Alabama and I was there. So I, I coached in college for 10 years and loved it. And we were starting our family and there's a lot of different factors involved, you know, for make a long story short. I had, when I was getting my master's degree, I'd written a business plan to start my own basketball organization and basketball facility. And I think I always had an entrepreneurial spirit to me. And like I said, a combination of a lot of factors. Um, we moved back to Atlanta and I started blue collar basketball and been doing that since 2011, late 2011. And that, that, that was so invigorating, you know, going out and starting a business. I learned so much about myself, you know, being, you're forced to, I mean, we, we, uh, we went through some hard times financially, our marriage, our family, you know, a lot of it, I think financial strain puts a lot of strain in other parts of your life. And, mm -hmm. you know, you go from a salaried position to, to now you got to go out, hunt and kill and bring it back and eat it. And, <laughs> yeah, right. um, but but you but I did I learned, I grew so much I I wouldn't have done this podcast ten years ago because I hated public speaking I was terrified of it and I didn't like speaking in front of three people let alone you know five thousand and I learned to conquer not a conquer let me repeat I learned to attack fears which I think being an entrepreneur forces you to do it it forces you to go after the unknown the uncertain. Uh, quite frankly, it's when I grew in my faith. I, I used to not believe in God. I, I started, I would say I started pursuing God a little bit before starting blue collar basketball. 
Um, and yeah, that's what I've been doing since. PGC's had a profound impact on my life in every facet from being a coach, a teacher of the game, uh, spiritually, um, as a husband, as a father. And, and really, I mean, that's why I'm indebted to basketball and why I want to pay it forward. And, and with the kids that I, I know this, without basketball, we wouldn't be on this, we wouldn't be talking. Without mm-hmm. basketball, I don't know quite frankly, if I would have got a college degree, let alone a master's, I don't know that I would have got married. Um, I don't know that it would have led me back to a relationship with God. And, and when, so when you start thinking about that, even as I say that right now, I'm just really, and this isn't like, this is just real talk. Like I'm indebted to the game. I freaking love basketball and love everything about it. Um, and yeah, I, I just, I, I, and then the one thing that I do feel a little bit of emptiness right now from the game is not coaching a team. Like you guys have a team and you go with those guys or girls, those 12 or 15 for a whole year and some of them for many years and you go deep with them. Mm-hmm. I go, I go real wide with a lot of people and I, I have some deep relationships from kids here in Atlanta um, I, one of my players lived with me this summer, so there's some depth to it. But um, I do miss that. That's the one thing I keep. I tell Sarah, my wife, like, I, 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 w- I wonder if I'll take a job coaching a team again, whether it be college or high school. Um, that's and I coach teams, so but they're they're short periods, right? So right. I coach travel ball team, but it's. It's for three months and it's two practices a week. Well, that's a lot different than, you know, five months, five or six practices a week, traveling on the road and those things. Absolutely. So, Coach, you mentioned in there PGC is like a a game changer for you. I would say that in speaking for Eric and myself, that attending a PGC clinic for us was, was a game changer for us as well. Um, but how did how did that connection come about? Um, in terms of you becoming a director, did you go there as an athlete? Were you a basket instructor? Um, how did that work out for you? Okay, yeah. So TJ Rosine, who y'all know, TJ and I were yeah. coll- college teammates. Oh, okay. And and then we we coached against each other in college. Well, we actually okay. So we we were teammates in college. We coached together for two years. Um, and then we coached against each other for several years and, and, you know, our families, you know, I've always been close and stayed in touch over the years. We go to clinics together while we were, you know, and, um, when I moved back to Atlanta, he had just got involved with PGC and my wife, my now 11 year old, um, was one, he was 20 months old and my wife had just, uh, gave birth to Cooper. And so Cooper was about two weeks old. And so TJ said, Hey, you got to go work a session down at Emory university in Atlanta, you know, for one week I can get you on staff. And I'd heard about PGC and and TJ spoke very highly. And I told my wife, Hey honey, I got a great idea. I'm going to go down to Emory and I'm going to be there for six days and they're not going to pay me anything. (laughs) Hey, not to interrupt, but I remember having that exact same conversation with my wife two years ago. And I said, I'm going to work PGC. And I'm like, the first week is on, on, on us. We're going to do that for free. And she said, she did the same thing. She was like, uh, yes, 
You can do that. You can do that. So I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off, but I remember that conversation. No, but the different, the, the thing with mine is, Hey, I'm going to work for free. I just started a business. I don't have any customers paying us. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We left that college job with a salary. She left her job so we could move back. So we had a total revenue coming in monthly at zero dollars. Um, and so, yeah, I joke with that, but that that decision, I mean, it truly was life altering. Little did I know, I went in there in the very first classroom session. I'm sitting there, and I'm like, "Oh my gosh, this this is it, man!" Like, it, like I thought I knew everything about basketball. I've been around the country, and I said, "Nope, I I, I got a lot to learn now." And um, yeah. those are the exact words that came like that I was thinking during the first. Um, classroom session myself. Yeah. I mean, and, and I think a lot of coaches have that experience and I know people listening, you know, some people listen that's have never been They're like, okay, yeah. Like it's, we're speaking in hyperbole or being over dramatic about it, but you know, it's, it's really not. I've had, you know, elite level coaches sit in my classroom sessions and be like, man, this is great. Like, so uh, what was your original question? Well, just I, so yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to hear. So, how you got hooked up with PGC, and you know how you oh. got to this position of director? Yeah, so yeah, you, yeah. You went to just work it, and then so I worked that. I worked that. Yeah, sorry, I worked that summer. That would have been volunteered. I think that's like eleven, two thousand eleven, and then the next summer, TJ. Like PGC's evolved a lot over the years. Like back in the day, like during that time, there was like four or five total directors. You know, Mono was directing full time. TJ Tyler, uh, I think Lindsey Finley at the time, maybe and Dave, Dave. But anyway, so TJ said, "Hey, I want to like what it will you?" They he said, "I want you to be my assistant director," and he convinced Mono. Like at the time, they didn't have this position, so like kind of came in and I just followed TJ and went with him for five weeks that next summer. But as the summer wore on, I was getting handed off some directing responsibility. And, you know, Mono called me early that summer and said, Hey, and, and I met Mono when he came to Atlanta and we had connected well. And I guess he, he had faith in me, which, mm -hmm. you know, I pre and he, he called me that actually I think he called me before that summer started and he said, Hey, We've got a session that we need you to direct in at St. Peter's in, in um, Jersey City, New Jersey. And um, I remember when he called, I was like, I mean, this tells you how much, like, I was hesitant to do it because, I mean, you guys, like, to direct a PGC session require, like, you got to be on your game. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you got to be. And I, I was so impressed with um, Dave Daniels was a director when I volunteered. And I was like, I can't do that. And um, and I, like I said, I had a fear of public speaking. So here I am. And so I, I, I the end of that first summer, I um, I directed that session, and you know it was it was an amazing experience. And and then I you know have directed since. And um, you know there there is about I think we'll talk about this some, but you know so I've 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 grown up a lot since I started PGC. My kids. You know, going for being babies, so now got almost a middle schooler. Now we have a, th a third kid, our daughter, and 
you know, we've moved and we've life had a lot of life changes. And, you know, it's, it is hard to be away from family during that summer. And, and that's why I pulled back in my director role. But um, we've got such an amazing team of directors. I mean, you guys know, you guys have been, been on staff. Like, yeah. just the people involved with PGC are amazing. Yeah, I think we talked to Mano or um, talked to Matt Seaman actually about we we had him on a couple of weeks ago and he um, said the same thing that he got connected with PGC and Mano just kind of threw him in there one session and same same position basically he wasn't sure that he could do it a little nervous about the public speaking thing but turned out to be just a phenomenal thing for him uh sam i just want to follow up with maybe one thing because like you said i i have worked a couple of sessions one with you in particular and one thing that i love about uh the behind the scenes is just the way that pgc really takes care of all of the people that are going working in the process right from the person managing the gym to the basket instructors and the one thing that i just found truly incredible just from like managing a staff is was our staff meetings i mean the classroom stuff with the athletes phenomenal mono made me cry one time right it's just really good stuff but the thing that like kind of set me back was how well run the staff meetings were from like celebrations to um, just great questioning strategies to how you guys give feedback um, to your coaches. Can you just kind of enlighten anybody that's listening into some of the behind the scenes pieces that you guys go through from a leadership standpoint on how and why you want to do things that way? Yeah, sure. And I'd be glad for you to ask, like, I'll answer it. And then if there's like some pointed questions to direct me a certain way, please do it. I mean, some of it's like, uh, some of it's like second nature or or I I don't, it's sometimes when you're in it so long, you forget TJ and I were talking about this not too long ago. You, you take some things for granted. You're like, Oh, that's just normal, but it's really not normal. So, you know, one thing we do, we meet daily, right? So we meet as a staff every day, um, we, we come in a day early. So before it ever starts, we come in and we have a staff dinner and staff meeting and you lay the groundwork. And there's a lot of little nuances of the PGC culture, whether it be in a meeting, we start out with celebrations. So that's just starting things off. And that could be me celebrating you, Justin, or you, Eric, or vice versa. Or maybe I celebrate, um, you know, whoever picked me up at the airport. Or I celebrate the food I just ate and the cook who cooked it. Um, but you're just, you're just setting a tone to, Hey, what are we grateful for? What, who, who's making a positive impact right now? And, and I think it's a pretty powerful best practice. Um, and then we just get really clear on what we're about to do this week. Number one, we're here to put on an amazing transformational experience for players and coaches that come and, and parents for that matter. And so we there it's they're central to to what we want to do and and then we everybody shares their commitment statement you know that's what they're committed to being it doesn't mean that that's who they are but it's who they want to become and what they're committed to and so you kind of hear people share their heart and their mind and gives you insight there um we usually break up into small groups and do like some sort of team building activity that, you know, where you can learn more about, um, the people you're going to be working with. And so we set the tone before we ever start. And then each day 
we'll we'll meet and we'll review you know what's going on what's coming up if there's any issues that are up if there's any kids that we need to pay extra attention to um if there's any athletes that we want to really highlight who are leaders because we're always trying to going back to what we started out at the beginning of the conversation we want to lead the leaders so Mm -hmm. so they can you know have peer-to-peer leadership um as the week goes on i'll stop there and see if like that's going a little bit not behind the scenes what other behind the scenes stuff would you want me to touch on well, I don't even know if it's behind the scenes. I, I, my biggest thing that, and you touched on it with lead the leaders. I think my biggest takeaway from that experience, or one of my biggest takeaways, there was many, was the commitment statement that we did in our, um, well, over the course of the week and sharing it. Correct, because. Honestly, I, as a coach, I have never really had too many mentors. My only real mentor was my high school coach who I started my career under. And then I I got the job and no one's really mentored me before in that way, other than me reading or watching videos or whatever. Right. So when I got into that staff meeting and you said commitment statement, I was 37 years old at the time. And I was like, what is he talking about? And to me, that was, I mean, I have it, right? I'm like, I have some core values, but I never like put them down on paper to the point where like, oh, wow, like this is the real deal. And then like you said, we share them. So when you say it out loud, I mean, just putting it into your voice gives it power. And I just think that that from a PGC standpoint, um, I just think that was a, just a completely cool aspect because you were paying me at the, by the second week, right? I was getting money to work it, but I, I could have probably worked it for free every other session I worked, right? Because that right there for me was so valuable. So I don't know. I, I don't know if I necessarily need any more behind the scenes, but that for coaches, I think, can be a real powerful thing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, yeah, I think a lot of coaches would benefit from so many key pieces from just like on court drills, progressions, getting players better to classroom, mm-hmm. you know, tactics to, to tap into players, intrinsic motivations to how you could grow your staff. If you're running a staff or on a staff, how you can grow yourself. Yeah. I mean, we go on and on. I mean, it's truly, it's a full immersion experience. And um, yes. that's what that, it, it even is challenging when I come off the road Let's say I do eight sessions in a summer and I come back home. You're, you're seeing massive transformation in five days. And then I'm going into a gym and working with a team for an hour and a half, one day a week for eight weeks. But it doesn't touch what you can get done when you're all when you're together all day, every day for five. Days. That's that full immersion experience. So, yes, yeah, it's, it's just a lot of fun to be a part of. And, and you grow a lot, you know, individually. Yeah, like you, you hit that nail on the head right there, growing a lot. Like one of the things that I took from your session was the daily prime. And, and I took it back not only to my players, but we started doing it in, in a health class that I teach 10th graders. And we started doing it every Friday in the first period. And it got so popular and it was so transformational that they asked to do it every single morning. So uh, you want to just talk about the daily prime a little bit with our listeners? Yeah, Daily Prime, you know, it, and this has shifted um, a lot for me over the years. And 
and I, I first got it um, listening to a, I, I got pieces. I kind of took what I heard from Tony Robbins on a Tim Ferriss podcast many, many years ago, and then then kind of put my own little twist on it. But I think what you're referring to that week, we would have done a three, three, three. Yep, yep, that's and, what it was. You know, so it's three things that you're grateful for. Um, yeah, three things that you're grateful for. Then it's three affirmations. So I am statements like I am and then fill in the blank. And then the last three, what were the last three? Help me out. Do y'all remember? I think it was how many, what are you going to, wins that you were going to get? Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. So three wins for the day. Like what would make today a win? Mm-hmm. And it's just a powerful way to start your morning. I, yeah. Uh, you know, <clears throat> Mono introduced me to the practice of gratitude probably back in 2013. And at the time, I probably let little things bother me a lot. Like, let's say I'm driving in Atlanta and somebody pulls out in front of me that, you know, ticks me off. So I would react (laughs) or somebody said something that I didn't like, you know. And so what gratitude does, it sets your mind and your heart in the right place um, because, you know, the, the storm is coming. Right. So are you going to buy the umbrella after the rain comes or do you want to you want to buy the umbrella before it comes? And and why doing gratitude to start your day, you, you're buying your umbrella before the rain comes. And it just as you guys, if you've done it and, I, and I've done it now for, uh, you know, seven plus years and it's made a massive impact on my life. Right. It really has. Now, the only thing that I haven't embraced with the suck is the cold shower, Sam. So, I mean, I've tried out the rest of them, but I just can't do the cold shower like you, you know, you were talking about embracing the suck, you know, working harder, making your meals, taking the stairs. But that cold shower thing, I, I don't know if I'm, I can, but maybe I just got to be resilient, get in there. I think it's a sparrow moment for you. You're a tough guy. You're, you're, <laughs> you're a lion, but uh, maybe you're just. <laughs> You use the word I can't, and I so I, I just I would challenge you if you're one of my players. I'd say you're better than that. That's right. <laughs> thank you, thank you. But hey, in all seriousness, with the well, I was being serious, but to extend the seriousness, um, like start don't don't have to do like a five minute do do five seconds tomorrow, and then do ten seconds the next day, and then build up to thirty seconds at the end of the week. You know, so you acclimate and. and yeah, and there, there's real science behind the value of cold showers as well. Coach, I think, does he have you talked in, Clumpy? Oh, yeah, I've got to try it. We're going to try He's it. got me pumped up. I'm ready to go. <laughs> oh, man, Coach. So I needed him when my hot water tank went, though. <laughs> yeah, when the hot water goes out, that's not a that's not a good thing. So, Coach, you um, uh, and TJ and Mano and, and several others – um, have kicked off this key five coaching um, thing that I that I'm a part of that. Um, I was able to go to one of the coaches clinics last summer in Chicago. Um, also, just a great opportunity for coaches to kind of transform what what they do, just building community. How did that idea come about? I know you kind of touched on, you know, starting BCB and you know, putting yourself out there and taking that risk. This seems like maybe a big risk as well, um, but it's such a great idea and you guys do such a great job with it. Where did that conversation, how did that conversation start with your team? Yeah, so 
Well, you know, rewind the clock a little bit. So at PGC, we've always had observing coaches. You, you guys have experienced that. You've been an observing coach. You come mm-hmm. to get better. And we saw a lot of impact and value that was adding to coaches. And, and we knew it. And then we partnered with Glazier, who runs the largest football clinics in the country. And we started doing um, PGC Glazier clinics back in 2014, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, 2014, I think. And um, and so those were reaching. We had grown those to really the largest clinics in the in the country. Like we had more than, than Nike was having, and we were having consistently 500 plus, and, and it was going great. And we. We also knew Eric and Justin that like there was a, something more there. Like mm-hmm. yes, a weekend at PGC Glazier, a week at PGC, they were good. But how could we support coaches year round? Because you know, you guys maybe experience this. You go to PGC, you're inspired. You go home, you're 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 on fire, yeah. and, and it lasts for two weeks, maybe four weeks, maybe eight weeks. But then it's like. Oh wait, how like? But then there's not an ongoing support there, and that's where the key five idea, in some ways, was originated. Like we can support coaches year round, and we really hadn't done that. I mean, yeah, you can put a video on YouTube, and that's that's good and helpful. But we wanted more than that, and so then you start getting in. Okay, well, how what do you how do you do it, and and. You know, we're still figuring out and improvising and looking for enhancements on how we're currently doing it. We think it's going well, but we know there's another level to it. And there always then it'll be another level and another level. But um, you had to boil we boiled down coaching into five categories and, you know, which is, you know, system and strategy, player development, master teaching, culture and leadership. And we said some some coaches are really good at two or three of those areas. But but they're not in two, and then they're going to have a miserable season, or they're not going to they're they're not going to be able to have a, a transformational coaching career. For example, like you could be awesome at your X's and O's and at getting players better, but you have a toxic culture and you never really reach your potential, and then you get fired after three years and you don't have a job, or vice versa. You might be a phenomenal leader, a transformational coach, and you. You have great culture, but you lose seven games a year by two, three, two or three points, and your athletic director lets you go. And now you can't be the transformational coach you want to be. So that was the idea. We do, you know, developing key five. We before we launched, I think back in May of uh, last year, 2019. So we've been around for mm, about 18 months now, and um, we, you know, we all went up to Canada and spent a few days at Mono's and had out. The uh, the whiteboards and the um, the flip charts, the uh, what you would call it, the easel board, and putting right. put building it all out, and and um, that's how we got to to where we're at. And obviously, we you know we you know our it's a small team uh, mm-hmm. on our key five with TJ, myself, Sarita, who does a ton of she's our you know our COO who just keeps the bus moving down the court and. Um, and then we have Lisa, who I think y'all know, and she was a Division One coach for several years, and yeah, and Chris Story, who's a coach himself, and so it's a small team, but um, yeah, we love we love doing life together. Yeah, it's uh, I I just think 
one of my biggest takeaways for coaches that are listening, give you a little plug here is just, um, for me, it's the, the live learnings are just so powerful because if for me, a, a guy that coaches in a small district, um, with basketball, not necessarily being a huge part of the athletics program and my staff being me and my JV coach, there's not right. There's not always a lot of people to have basketball conversation with. Right. And so you can have conversations on Twitter um, and social media, but that can be exhausting on there. Right. So I think for me, key five is just so great because I can get as many opinions as I want um, different insights and all this different information. And I just chat basketball, like, which is just a passion for me too. So um, I just celebrate you guys. Cause that's, it's just a great resource um, for coaches to have that. Um, I just appreciate you guys putting together. Oh, I appreciate Yeah. I mean, thanks for saying that. Yeah. We, I don't know who all listen and maybe there'll be some coaches listening that, don't know what we're doing, but it's a, I, I kind of describe it at, and you tell me if this fits what you would say, Justin, but it's kind of, it's kind of like Netflix for coaches. So, you know, you're, you know, you got your membership and you can go in and watch videos anytime, but then it goes deeper. We you know, like you just said, you have your live learnings and then we have, well, outside of uh, pandemic, we have clinics and we have mm-hmm. courses where like, Hey, I want to get better at, um, passing. Okay, go watch this course. So we try to go deep so you could get really good in one area or you might be sitting there 20 minutes before practice and need to find a good ball screen drill and you can go get a ball screen drill off the uh, outside the membership portal. So yeah. yeah. I mean, I would definitely follow up with that. That's accurate. I just, the other piece maybe, and I've, I've we've, we have the, the staff pass and I wanted my modified coach to get in there because he's a football coach too. And there's so many relatable things from the leadership aspect to master teaching to culture that could cover any sport, right? And so just for him to get in there and dive into some of that stuff um, and then kind of do it at your own pace, right? We, I know in some of our live learnings, we have coaches that are on there like every single time and fully interactive. Um, and then I'm sure you have members that, you know, just want to watch the videos. And like you said, get a drill here, get a drill there. Um, there's a little bit for everybody and you can make it, you know, as powerful as you want it to be. It's just a, a really good resource. So it's great. It's great. Now, Coach, when COVID first hit, um, I was able to catch you having uh, in a Zoom talking about competing versus playing hard. And one thing that stuck to my heart because you, these were the things like during a self-assessment, I'm like, man, I say the this to my players and I wish I could elaborate more. Like you were talking about the importance of being specific and clear about like your verbiage to your players, like play hard or rebound or get a stop. Um, do you want to just kind of elaborate the, uh, a little bit of what you were talking about in that me in that zoom. So I thought it was wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for, uh, yeah, I really enjoy this topic. We could probably do a whole podcast on it. And, um, so a lot of coaches want, we all want our teams to play hard, right? We want them to give everything they have. And I would say a step up from that is competing. And I think mm-hmm. coaches use that word a lot. We, we say, go compete, I want, you know, or play hard. Well, your definition of play hard 
Um, and my definition of play hard might be completely different. And more, more importantly, that player you coach, their definition of play hard. Hey, I thought I'm playing hard, coach. Well, no, no you're not. Um, there's another level in there. And so I, what you're speaking to, Eric, the, the term that I've been on for the last few years is coach speak versus, teach, yeah, versus teacher exactly, talk. Exactly, yep. So coach speak would be, come on, guys, come on, let, let's go, let's go, let's go. Like, what does that mean? Now, don't get me wrong. There's some filler words that just filling the, the air with energy in our voice. I think there's some value at times, but there's just so much wasted words that come out of coach's mouth, whether it be in a huddle during a big game and a timeout or just uh, in your practice. So another one would be rebound. We got to rebound. Well, of course we want to rebound. <laughs> Why don't we tell the players we're coaching how to rebound? And and that would be, hey, John, when when they shoot it, I want you to put your forearm in his chest. Okay. Or another thing is, um, you know, some some coaches will say, run the floor. Well, I don't like. How hard do you want me to run? So I don't say run. I say. Do we want to jog, run, or sprint? And then all the players will say sprint. I say, okay, good. We're going to do that every single time. We're not going to ever run. We're going to sprint every time in transition. Um, hey, we got we to gotta play defense. We got to get a stop. Well, of course we want to get a stop. Why don't we talk about how we're going to get a stop? So instead of saying it from the – so your, your team's at the free throw line, right? There's a game situation, and you're shooting a free throw to – pull within two or one points and so you, there's 30 seconds left I would be telling my point guard to say hey remind remind hey right here at the free throw line we got to get down and stand we got to communicate on every screen hey we're switching every screen those are tangible teacher talk it's very specific I told my point guard Micah that I wanted him to tell everybody to get in a stance I told Micah to tell our team to communicate and then I told him specifically how we were going to defend screens well, I know those are the things that lead to the stop, right? Or maybe we've been out rebounding and I would tell, tell our guys, we've got to box out. So that's what I'm, I'm very specific in what I'm asking them to do. And so competing is a very difficult thing to describe mm -hmm. to players. It's very challenging. One of the ways that I like to, to share with players is there's a ball rolling across the, bas the court. Justin and Eric are both going for the ball. Justin and Eric both dove on the floor for the ball. Eric got the ball. Justin dove on the floor. He played hard. Justin, you can, I mean, uh, Eric, you competed. You, you wanted that ball more and you got that ball. Um, so it, there's a lot of ways. Like, so how do you do it? Like, how do you do it? You got to track it in games. I don't even know if we want to go here, but you got to track it in practice. You got to track it in games. You got to have meaning behind it. And most importantly to your original question is we just got to use teacher talk. We got to be a, a good teacher is very specific in what they're asking or what they're instructing the student to do. And I think too many times coaches are lazy with their, with their words and, and what's coming out of their mouth.
So coach, if I could follow up with that, then we we've talked to a bunch of coaches about communication with their athletes and, you know, the phrase sticky, sticky language or sticky words comes up all the time. Do you have anything that you do with your teams to, to try and maximize that communication piece? Like, is there anything specific that you, you do that's like, do you come up with like your, ori- like with original names, for example, like, do you come use like generic basketball terms? How does, how does that communication piece look so that you can give them teacher talk? Yeah, good question. I mean, look, PGC is phenomenal with the Dick DiVenzio. Let's get more specific teacher talk here. Dick DiVenzio was a master of the English language. His books you know, read his books and he has the sticky language, unruff, mm-hmm. unruffleability, yeah. peak, peak, you know, not instead square up to the basket. That's six syllables. Peak, you just get your eyes to the rim. So we, yeah. we do say peak a lot. Um, you know, there's, you know, like another PGC term would be a go-go cut. Like don't just cut. A go-go means get open and get out. A lot of players, they cut they cut lazy and then they don't get out quickly. And so there's that, there's, you know, gosh, I'm trying to think on the fly here, different turn, like on, on defense, we don't say switch. We say black, black would be switching a screen, right? Or you can color code. If, if we're going to double, double a ball screen or double the post, you can, you can have fire or red. So I try to think of short one word. Everybody's on the same page, you know, think of, um, you know, even offensive play calls um, that are sticky that they'll remember. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I said something earlier to, you know, talking to you, Eric, about line or sparrow. You could talk all day to your team about being tough, or you could tell them a story about the lion and the sparrow. And I don't, we don't have time right now for me to share, but basically a lion doesn't get bothered by things around them. A, a sparrow, a little sparrow bird is very concerned with other things around them. So if, if we were playing a game and you could go on a five-minute tirade, tirade about toughness or you could say, hey, guys, right now we're, we're sparrows. We are so worried about the scoreboard and the people in the stands. And if we're going to come back, we got to be lying. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Story is pretty powerful too. Like, um, But sticky language, it, yeah, let me, let me pause there. Um, what what other language have y'all heard that y'all like? Mostly, it's just a lot of picked up from PGC and you know uh, Devenzio's book. What was it? Uh, a to Z. Yeah, a lot of great stuff in there. Um, I think when I'm putting together my stuff, and this is where maybe I overcomplicate the coaching aspect of it. You know, in terms of strategy and offense and defense. You know, I'm constantly revisiting what I'm calling it so that, you know, like you were saying about play calls, I'm trying to think of things that I'm calling. I shouldn't give Coach Clump too much because we do coach against each other. But a lot of what we're trying to run, whether it be actions or set plays or whatever we decide to do, I'm trying to, like, make it relatable to something. Like, if we want to, like, clear out a side so our player can isolate, we might run a clear which just kind of tells certain players where they need to go, which means just get out of the way. Um, things like that. But that, and I guess that's what I was trying to get because a lot of coaches, you'll just hear them shout out like flat screen or like down screen. And it's just, 
I don't know. I just feel like that can get a little bit cumbersome all the time where if you get, if you can kind of build your own language into it, but that's just another level of learning. So I always try to get some perspective on that. Yeah, I think, yeah, no doubt. I think it's got to connect to you and your players. Mm-hmm. You know, you even think about like I, I just I was I think about Coach Carter the movie and yeah. what he had different um, ladies' names yeah. for yeah. his press, but he put a story behind it, and now your kids, his kids, remember that because they connect it to that, and it's like, oh yeah, I, this means that. So I think coaches, we could be more creative. You don't have to reinvent or come up. You know, you don't have to be like Dick DiVenzio and, and you know, steal, borrow from other people who, who you find value in. So, yeah. Yeah, my first coaching clinic ever I sat at in West Virginia University as uh, John Beeline was there his first year. And he, and he said, and I'll never forget it, he said, the best coaches are usually the greatest thieves. So Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So, um, the other thing I wanted to talk to you about was um, – how you talk about the permission to level up. Can you talk about that for our listeners? Yeah. Um, I mean, the, well, the level, level up is just simply, I mean, with player, I, I don't know if we're going here with it. You talk about in terms of coaching players. Yes, exactly. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. So I think, you know, players, there's always more, there's a, there's always a higher standard. I think players deep down, want to be held to a high standard. Now, I think some coaches hide behind this, and I think I'll raise my hand at times. We sometimes say, well, I just have high standards, and that get, or I'm just, uh, you know, I, I believe in high accountability. I, I'm, I'm not going to apologize for pushing kids. Well, that's not an excuse for you to be a jerk. Um, you know, some coaches be hide behind, I'm going to level up a player, but that means they just want to be a jerk to a kid and yell at them all day. Well, who wants to be yelled at all day? Um, and so it's just calling them to a, to a higher level. And, and when they go to another level, there's, there's another level inside mm-hmm. of you. And, and I think, you know, that's the art of coaching. There's a science of coaching. That's the art of coaching. Yeah, it reminds me of like those lifelong learners, you know, people that are, you know, kind of like yourself and Justin on here. Like they, they know the game, they love the game, but they always feel that there's more deep down inside. And anytime that you're, you have somebody that is like minded to get that out of you, it's, it's such a great thing. Yeah, no doubt. And I, yeah, and putting, putting yourself around other, you know, staff members and, I think coach, you know, Justin, you even said it earlier, you got to find people that will level you up as a coach because we can't grow the people around us if we're not growing ourselves. Yeah. So. So coach, with that maybe in mind, what, what are some of the things that you do to kind of grow yourself? Cause obviously coach Klump and I are all in on PGC key five um, and the teachings that you're giving are you doing anything specific other than obviously being part of a very phenomenal, actually, collective group of coaches that run those organizations? What else are you doing that might other coaches could maybe take inspiration from to improve yourself, either personally or coaching? Yeah, so there's a few different areas of my life that, um, that I'm real intentional on in how I grow. And... 
some some uh, some segments I'll go through stages where it's me taking on and doing a lot of the work and some segments it's me seeking it out and, and growing from someone else um, so spiritually I would you know right now I do I'm in a group a small group of coaches different parts of the country different levels they coach at and we we do devotionals every day together and that's just a group text we have. We do the work on our own, but it's accountability to text the group and whatever that we're doing. So there's that. Um, I read pretty consistently right now. I'm reading. I don't, for me, I don't, this doesn't work for everybody, but I read multiple books at a time. I get, I get too bored if I stay with one book. So I usually have multiple books going within that may sound crazy. Some people are like, how do you do that? I don't, I don't know. It's just the way my brain works. I, no, I, I'm with you on that. So, yeah, I do that. Um, I'm actually in a book club right now with some of our PGC teammates. Um, so it's a group of about five of us. We meet Monday mornings and we're reading a book called High Performance Habits. Actually, most of PGCs read. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm very blessed here. Working in a company like PGC, you're you're just in, we do stuff like this all the time. So it's like unavoidable. You don't have a you don't have a um, opportunity. It's like if you either can leave PGC or you're going to grow, There's, you know, mm -hmm. like, so that's built in. Um, I have accountability and, and I believe in taking care of my body, you know, physically working out nutrition. Um, so having people in my life where I'm accountable, COVID's changed a lot. So let me say that. But um, during COVID I was working out with our BCB players like five mornings a week on Zoom calls at 7.45 in the morning, we were doing little 20, 30 minute um, Tabata body weight exercise. So I think that's a form of growth. It, it pushes you and challenges you. Once we get Eric taking the cold shower, he'll, he'll realize that. <laughs> the, yeah. Um, so yeah, I've got different people that hold me accountable. And then in areas I can, I can, you know, from a, financial or business standpoint there's people that i can call and and grow in certain areas uh with their mentorship and so yeah that those are the things i do but it, it is an everyday thing and um the last thing i would say on growth is i have some mentors who don't even know they're my mentor you know what i mean by that mm-hmm they're, yeah. I listen to their podcasts or I watch their YouTube videos and they're my, they're my mentor. They, they sometimes the best coaching clinic is the one in my car 30 minutes, you know, a day when I'm driving to and from my workout in the morning. Those are some of the most, uh, the biggest growth moments for me. And those people don't even know it. Who would that include coach? Oh gosh. Um, there's a few different ones. So, I would say I listen to I listen for for um, like financial stuff and business stuff. I listen to Dave Ramsey and Entree Leadership. I listen to Andy Stanley, Craig Rochelle Leadership Podcast for leadership. Um, you know Chris Oliver's basketball podcast is is really good. Along yeah. with you know, and I, I do some stuff with Hardwood Hustle. Um, and then I listen to a couple of health podcasts, the model health. I listen to some genius life and I've really enjoyed like 
the mental side, finding mastery with Michael Gervais. I, I've really enjoyed learning from him um, about different aspects of mental toughness. Well, thank you for sharing those. I was busy writing them down there. <laughs> Coach, this is great. And I, if, if I could, we're going to probably wind down here. We usually go for about 45 minutes and you're just, I just looked at the clock and I was like, oh, we're, we're going up here on an hour, but I just love all your insights. And I would say for me, um, you guys at PGC have been one of those maybe silent mentors for for myself. I know Coach and I talk about it all the time that experience of being able to get to a PGC was kind of random for me. Um, well, we were sitting at, uh, we were, we were at camp and I looked at you and I said, you, you just got to go. I can't really explain it to you. It's transformational. It'll change the way you coach. It'll change the way you think, the way you approach life. You just got to take it in for yourself. Yeah. I don't think, honestly, I don't think we're doing, you said earlier, Sam, we don't, we're probably not doing this podcast if you didn't have a passion for basketball i would probably piggyback on that and say we're probably not doing this podcast if eric and i didn't go to pgc i think it's just kind of totally changed our whole perspective on the way we try to do things too so um i'll i'll, I'll maybe try to wrap a lot of up celebrations yeah just yeah. thank you so much for coming on we appreciate all your stuff and your sharing and your willingness thank you i i really enjoyed uh doing this and yeah anytime you guys this is awesome i think it if it can help coaches and so do we dare hit him with the chicken wing question i know we do it every pod yeah i mean we might yeah i mean he's not a, a buffalo no, guy but I, I i almost had you guys coming up here for a key five clinic in the spring i talked to chris and we had you guys like locked in i don't know if you would have been here but necessarily but we were locked in and chicken wings was on the menu um, so maybe we should get some insights. Maybe, Eric, go ahead and ask. So, Sam, I, I mean, I know you're up on the nutrition, but if you're going to indulge in some wings, are you, are you reaching for the drums or are you reaching for the flats? Um, are these hormone-free chickens? Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, the drums. You said the drums or the what? Y'all use different terminology up there. Um, yeah, see, that's it. No, we use the terminology. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, did, um, bu did so Buffalo Wild Wings come out of Buffalo? No. Okay. No, they just steal the name. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, yeah, I, I I prefer, you know, um, I prefer legs. Okay. So, Justin's okay. <laughs> like, what's he talking about? See, y'all, y'all are using terminology. I'm not. I don't. I don't use. Um, this the is the best answer the we've got, though. This is the best answer we've got. <laughs> uh, so, single bone or double bone? I think someone referred to them Ooh, as okay. in the previous podcast. Single bone, yeah, single bone. All Good right, catch, that, Coach. That, nice. That, that, that's definitely my side, Clumpy. That's me, my side. Uh, and then you, Abby, I'm not even going to bother no, with yeah, ranch or blue cheese. I don't even think you would probably eat either of those. Yeah, so. I actually don't. Zaxby's or Chick-fil-A? Chick yeah, we just actually we got Chick-fil-A up yeah, here. Yeah, we just got Chick-fil-A. We don't have, was Zaxby's? Oh, y'all never ate Zaxby's? No. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I used to kill some Zaxby's back in the day, but um, <laughs> but I, during, I don't I don't know if I told you, I was Justin made it. I got COVID and 
it got me pretty good. This is like five, six weeks ago. And okay. I, I lost 15 pounds. I lost all my taste. And I haven't eaten Zaxby's. Zaxby's has this thing called wings and things where you get um, uh, chicken on a bone and then you get, you know, wings and then you get the um, chicken tenders and their fries. It's like amazing. I don't eat anymore because of the, uh, just because of my nutrition. But mm-hmm. I told my wife, I said, can you just get me some Zaxby's? I was like nine or 10 days into this thing. And I was like, I know this is going to hit the spot. Well, not even that. Like I couldn't even finish it because I'd lost all taste and everything tasted bad to me. All right, I'm, I'm ruining your chicken portion here. Let's keep. No, you're good. No, you're good. good. Actually, I I did I did see that you uh, you had that. How did that go for you? Like, obviously, if you lost some weight, Not good. you were you were struggling, huh? I was struggling. Yeah, it got me pretty good. How how many weeks were you down? Uh, about two. I mean the the. The uh, loss of taste lasted close to three weeks, but I was I was quarantined, and then I'm just thankful my family didn't get it or anybody else. And um, no, I, I just had a ton of you know typical fever or flu stuff, but you know ton, no energy and loss of appetite, and didn't eat much, and tons of headaches and body aches, and and yeah. But hey, yeah, but he's back. Well, definitely. Uh, that's good news. Yeah, that's thanks good for sharing news. that. Um, so, Coach, we got the wings. That I guess we that was great that we asked, yeah, but I guess we should have known that he was probably not eating chicken wings. Um, he's got way more discipline maybe than you or I do. But, hey, Coach, um, we're going to wrap it up, though. Thanks so much again for uh, coming on. Hey, thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. And, um, yeah, excited y'all are doing this. All right. Sounds Anytime. Good, thanks. thanks, Coach. Thank you. Good luck. See ya. If you have an existing podcast or are looking to launch your own pod but aren't sure where to start, the team at My Podcast Manager can help. Our podcast team works behind the scenes so you can do what you do best. We'll help you launch your podcast, make it sound great, and free up your time for the more enjoyable parts of podcasting. If you're ready to put your podcast editing, production, and promotion on autopilot with a trusted team of podcasting professionals, visit mypodcastmanager.com to get started. Thank you for listening to the Beyond the Ball podcast with Coach Eric Klump and Coach Justin Gersten. 